Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Well, they are not going to get Freddie Freeman. That's apparent. The free agent first baseman signing a contract late last night with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Six years, $162 million to return to his hometown. And um, I know there were some people out there saying that they wondered whether or not Freddie Freeman and his agents had overpaid, overplay, overplayed their hand because the market for him seemed to be drying up. But it was pretty clear that Freddie Freeman wanted to go to the Dodgers all along. Uh, there was some contact with the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays acquiring Matt Chapman yesterday from the Oakland Athletics. That pretty much solidifies the Blue Jays infield. And uh, Freddie Freeman. He's now a member of the Dodgers. So the good news, I guess, Kevin Barker, the good news is as much as ah, we were kind of excited by Freddie Freeman joining the Jays because, let's face it, that 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 in this lineup looks just just rounds it out so perfectly. Um, but at, at the end of the day, Freddie Freeman, uh, Freddie Freeman got the years that he wanted. And he got a preferred location, and at least he's not with the Yankees or, or God forbid, the Red Sox or the Rays. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, you, you start thinking about the Blue Jays lineup. <laughs> I Look, I, I know he'd look tremendous sitting in front of Vladimir behind George Springer, but, man, I mean, how can any Blue Jays fan complain about the lineup that the Blue Jays have? It, one through five is murder's row. Like, if, if you're an opposing pitcher, especially early in the game, and you have to come – and watch those guys walk into the plate. It's not going to be the easiest thing. Yeah, look, would you would you like to have a Jose uh, uh, hitting in front of this? Well, you may be a switch hitter, maybe a left-handed hitter. Absolutely, but this lineup for the Blue Jays is nothing to sneeze at. And you're right. I think Freddie Freeman. Uh, this this seems like the place he wanted to go, but you know, I I wonder if the Braves would have offered him six years if he would be a Brave now. You know, I, I know he has ties there, and that's where he started his career. And he, he's just one of those players that you would think would want to start and finish his career at the same place. But uh, look, I can't blame the Braves. The, the, if, if you don't. You know, at his age, would he be 33 in September? That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. awfully, you know, getting towards that age of, do you really want to offer a guy six years? But, you know, it's it's a, that sneeze money for the Dodgers, and, and they felt like they're a better team because of that. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it looks at the end of that deal, for me anyway. It's uh, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. It is Blair and Barker. Now, you're probably noticing the sound in the background. That Mr. Barker is out in the great, the great wide open. He is at the Blue Jays complex in Dunedin, field level at Field One. Um, Bark, this is your. The, the, you've had a couple of days now to kind of to kind of snoop around and patrol this facility that we've that we've heard about. Uh, you're a guy who spent a lot of time in spring training. Um, give me a ball player's 
eye view of the complex. And I mean this with all respect, you know, particularly for a guy. I mean, you spend a lot of days in minor league spring training. Um, t- tell me a bit about the complex, how, how, how it strikes you, the thing that stands out uh, to you about it. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate you reminding me that I spent all that time in minor league. I camp. meant that I in a good that. way. It's it's time. It's it's those are times that I'd like to forget. But yeah, look, you know, just just getting in this place is is like Fort Knox. You know, there, there's security guards everywhere. There's 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 people out there checking your ID. They're making sure you have parking passes. There, you have assigned numbers where you have to park. It's legit, Jeff. Like you, you know, it, there's right now. I'm I'm looking like you said at field one. Uh, there's a, a coach out rolling ground balls, which I cannot tell. It's pretty far away. I can't tell who that coach is. He's rolling ground balls, shortstop on field one to to three players. Uh, You look down the right field line uh, a little bit in foul territory. You're seeing another coach hitting ground balls to players. Uh, He's moving the ball around, and they're going side to side, catching balls, acting like they're going to throw the ball to first base. Uh, You look about, I don't know, 30 yards from them. uh, You see Pete Walker uh, three or four pitchers taking, uh, they're, they're throwing off a mound over here. Petey's doing what Petey does. You, uh, from about uh, 15 yards from them, uh, you can hear balls in the batting cage. I think I just saw Bo walk over there, uh, Flatty's walking out of there, uh, and Dropless, uh, the, the uh, bullpen catcher's walking out of there, so he's one of the BP throwers. Uh, they're getting this thing, you know, ready to go. Uh, from what I've noticed, how easy it is if you're a player to go to each section. Mm. Anything mm-hmm. you want to do is right in front of you, and you could fall on an, on on the next place that you have to go. And uh, you know that that's for me. That's only a benefit if you're a player. I know when I was like you mentioned when I was in the minor leagues, and even when I was in big league camp, you know it, it was a haul. You had to go places like you had to go down the right field line to, to take batting practice. You had to go to a different field to take ground balls. Now it's. Look, you're you're falling out of your locker and right onto whatever it is that you want to get accomplished for that day. It's it's sweet, you know. Everything that the Blue Jays ever wanted is right in front of them, and you know we can say this, Jeff. We can start saying this now. There is no excuses. They, they have the mm-hmm. talent, they have the facilities, you know, they have the fan base. Uh, it seems like they have the right coaches in all the right positions to get these guys where they ultimately want to go. It's you know, they're, they're Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins are, are, are getting something special here going in my mind. Talk to everybody. You know, I've talked to players. I've talked to coaches. They all say the same thing. It is, you know, have you ever heard this, Jeff? It is World Series or bust. I've heard that yeah, out of two mouths that matter the most here when it comes to a coaching staff. I think they really believe that. Yeah, it, it's one thing to, you know, it's one thing to say it. And, you know, every year you hear people sort of give that, that same you know, that same thought. I mean, Bo Bichette said it last year about last year's Blue Jays team. But I think in some ways, Kevin, I think what the Jays did last year, coming within just, you know, a hair of going to the playoffs and feeling that they were better than a bunch of the teams that were in the playoffs, I think that really has yeah. un- understandably raised expectations. Yeah. And it's great hearing yeah. you It's great hearing you describe that facility because, look, I, I, covered, I covered spring training in Dunedin. I covered it in West Palm Beach. <clears throat> I covered it in Jupiter. And one of the things I, I, I remember, Buck Rogers, the longtime uh, Expos manager, talking about spring training. And, and he said, you know how you can tell? Because I asked him one time, what makes a good spring training? Like, Can you possibly tell what makes a good spring training? It's not record or anything. You know what it is? He said, when I see a bunch of guys standing around for too long, 
then I get worried. Then I say, okay, something's, you know, something's not right here. There's got to be an efficiency to it. And when I heard you say that about everything being in one area, I I did a story one year. I followed a a catcher around for an entire day in spring training, and I almost needed a, and this is, you know, I was in, this is back in my younger days. I was in decent shape. I almost needed a gurney. I was watching this dude haul his equipment from hell, you know, all over hell's half acre because that's what the, hey, that's what the minor league catchers do, right? They're catching bullpen here. They're over here. They're over here. They got to play this game. They're back over here. Somebody needs an extra, you know, needs a side session. You got to get over to this field. And they were carrying all their own equipment all over the place, rolling it over to this thing. So it's great to hear you say that because that, is. that to me is that's a hallmark of a good spring training when i don't see a bunch of guys For, standing around picking their ass i know that they're getting work i do done. not For, further to your point you know the, the mark always talks about a family and and how he wanted this to be the facility in the off season that everybody count minor leaguers and big leaguers the minor league field is 75 yards from where the big leaguers are at so wow. you know even if you're a a newly drafted minor leaguer you can you can hear the big leaguers taking batting practice jeff mm. I, I, even, mm-hmm. i'll give an example even when i was you know towards the end of my career in 2006 and i was going back and forth from the big leagues with the blue jays to the minor leagues you have to drive to minor league camp yeah, like that's you, right. It was just yep. it felt it felt like you were it felt like you were on an island and people forget about you. Here, you know, you can actually hear minor leaguers taking batting practice. If you're if you're a big league coach, you know they have a lot going on and it's it's winter bus kind of thing this year. But if you can actually even hear the sound, you know the sounds different. I talk about that all the time and and the mm-hmm. way guys are throwing a BP and and a live batting practice. So there's there's just man, it's I don't know. It's I, I've never been a part of this anything like this. You know I've been here the last couple of days trying to walk around and you know e- even to get in the facility you you have to have a, a someone that works here. You know I'll say me is John Snyder. John Snyder has to actually walk me around the facility because you know it's basically a family for the Blue Jays and. Yeah, most people would say that say that's a bad thing. I think that's a cool thing that that you know Mark and, and Ross are trying to make this the way that they're trying to make it, and you know it, it's you come here, you see this, see this, it speaks for itself. All right, let's uh, <clears throat> let's talk about the team on the field. Obviously, Matt Chapman's uh, acquisition yesterday. Uh, we saw the player reaction to it. Uh, I I went. We we had Dallas Braden on and. Uh, Dallas Braden talked about the impact this is going to have on Bo Bichette as a shortstop. It was interesting. Shai Davidi, uh, in his article on Sportsnet.ca today, spoke to Bo, and one of the things Bo said is that Marcus Semyon talked to him about Matt Chapman. Now, we all know, we all know what, what Bo thinks of Marcus Semyon. Um, and, and, and Marcus Semyon told him, hey, hey, this guy gets at it. <laughs> like, this guy gets at it. So I, I, I think we may, see Mark, we may see Matt Chapman fill a bit of that role that Marcus Semien had here, kind of the guy that I'm not going to say the captain of the infield, Kevin, but you know the guy who maybe maybe taps somebody on the shoulder and says, "Hey, you know what? Let's get out here and do a little extra over here. Let's just let's let's just just work it on was, this." So, an exa- example: whenever I was a player, Fernando Vina, remember him was the second baseman yeah. with, with the Brewers when I was coming up, and and it was a lot easier to to you know whenever I did break into the big leagues to look over at him and he say, I got this, you take that, takes the pressure off you, you stay within yourself, you do what you do best. When you have a guy like Matt Chapman who is a platinum gold glove winner who can cover ground like nobody's business, now Bo can go, okay, you know, I do have a little trouble going to to my 
glove side in that third base hole. You got this. I'll take everything else. And maybe that makes him, you know, that little 17 hopper up the middle when, when the, the defense is sort of out of position a little bit. Now you're starting to see Bo make those kind of plays because of who's playing third base. It's it's just the mindset of knowing that I got a guy here that I don't have to make up for. And that's, you know, you mentioned Marcus Simeon. That was a little bit of what that was. You know, Marcus brought that. How do you how do you prepare yourself for everyday business at the big league level? That's what he brought to Bo. You know, Bo has tremendous talent. He's going to do what he does on the field. But you always need that guy. You need that guy to go to and go, hey, am I taking too many ground balls? You know, am I, is this too right. much? Tell me how you've gotten where you're at right now. And to have a guy like Matt Chapman, that's it's definitely going to make Bo better, and it's going to make this pitching staff better. I mentioned this yesterday. You know, you got a guy on the mound that looks around and goes, I can attack with my best stuff. I don't have to stay away from certain positions. If I can throw my change up and change up counts, now that I know that a guy, you know, the ball's hit the left side of the infield, you're out. That's a pretty cool thing. So, we, as we said, we now know that Freddie Freeman will not uh, will not be joining the Jays. Um, we know that uh, Chris Bryant was was another name out there for the Jays. The most I got to tell you, Kevin, I, I've covered baseball for a long time. I've seen some weird ass free agent signings. Uh, Chris <laughs> Bryant signing with the with the Rockies after they basically, you know, basically gave away. Not, didn't give away. I mean, they, they they basically paid what was it forty million dollars to quote unquote get rid of Nolan Arenado. <clears throat> Pardon yeah. me, not make Trevor Story an offer. And then suddenly go out and pay Chris Bryant silly money. Uh, anyhow, well, Chris Bryant was a guy that a lot of people thought might end up with the Blue Jays. Of course, Matt Chapman profiles, uh, you know, right hand hitting, right hand hitting third baseman. Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman fills that gap. Kyle Schwarber's off the board. We we look at this Blue Jays team right now, Kevin, and it's pretty clear that Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio will be the second base platoon. Um, it's it, it, it's as of right it, now. As of right now, exactly. <laughs> as of that right Jose now. Ramirez rumors <laughs> that Ken Rosenthal got everybody talking about. Uh, Paul Hoynes has covered the. Well, I'll tell you, Paul Hoynes has covered the the Cleveland Indians or the Cleveland Guardians about as long as I've been covering baseball. So he's been around for a long time. He sent out a tweet saying that his understanding is that the Guardians are going to retain Jose Ramirez. I'm just going to throw this out to people. Keep in mind that that would be a trade. It's not like there's a deadline to make a trade. Uh, I had someone say to me a couple of days ago, we were exchanging texts about Jose Ramirez, and uh, this guy said to me, you know, maybe that's a deal that doesn't get done to the trade deadline. You know, maybe that's the time where it gets revisited. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is... From everything Ross Atkins said yesterday, Kevin, the the core of the team is there, but I think you, you get the impression that that there's still another significant piece to be added, and that's going to be a lefty hitter or switch hitter. It's going to be somebody who can either DH because the way I look at it right now, the Jays the, the Jays have some at bats at the DH spot, and I, and I think what you're really going to see them hone in on frankly is a left-hand hitting outfielder that to me addresses a lot of the situation a lot of the questions with this team if i can replace randall gritchick with a left-hand hitting outfielder that to me is the next logical move because i know that lourdes teoscar and george george springer are going to be in the outfield uh, again i can use that 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 dh position to add a left-handed bat 
But, man, if I have a left-hand hitting outfielder, now I can really do some things. And if that guy can go get the ball at center field, because that's one thing Randall Gritchick can do, right? Randall Gritchick gives you some depth at center field. If you could find me a left-hand hitting dude who can play center field, I'd be that to me rounds this team out. Like you can add something to the bullpen if you want, and I don't know, maybe get another serviceable a Matt Boyd type of starter. I didn't know Matt Boyd signed last night, but that type of guy. If you want to bring another guy like that in for depth, I guess that's fine. But what's your sense of of, of where this team goes next? Because it's clear that they need they need uh, I, I think a left-handed bat, and frankly, they need a left-handed bat capable capable of playing the outfield if you're if you're going to go with Espinal and, and Biggio at second base and I'm I'm okay with that frankly I think you need a left-hand hitting outfielder to give you some depth and uh, and and fill the DH spot yeah I I have heard conversations about Kevin Biggio that, that they like the way it's coming off the bat I mentioned that yesterday about the sound that I'd heard when I was in the batting cage and I couldn't see who it was and I could only hear it and I'd ask a coach and they had mentioned that it was Biggio, so, so they they have liked what he's bringing early on in camp here, at least what they've seen in, in batting practice. I, look, ask yourself right now with what they have, can they win the American League East? The answer for me is yes. The, the, mm-hmm. You know, they're right there with the Rays when it comes to – the Rays do little quirky things. They're, you know, one year they're trying to outscore everybody. The next year they're trying to outpitch everybody. You don't really know how they're going to go, but they do have a lot of young talent, and the key word there is a lot. Like they, they just overwhelm you with power on both sides of the field. And, and, and it's just, what is it? You know, sometimes when they're facing a right handed pitcher, they got a bunch of lefties that can roll, they can roll out there. That's sort of, you know, I don't want to say that's what the Blue Jays are trying to get, but when you think about playoffs, you even watched the Braves last year. You know how they went it. They had a couple of hot pitchers, uh, coming out of the bullpen that were really hot that you made the manager's job a lot easier when it came crunch time and they had balance in the lineup that's the one thing when it comes crunch time the, the blue jays aren't talking about it's like you've been talking since last year they're, they're not talking about being relevant in september anymore right they're talking about when you get in the playoffs and especially with this expanded playoff thing in the american league you know it's they're they're talking about now when you get to the playoffs how can you be balanced enough to make it hard on that opposing manager and give that pitcher on the mound something else to think about and I'm with you. You know, probably doesn't have to happen early in the season. By at least the All-Star break, some balance mm-hmm. has to be happening, whether that's getting rid of Randall Gritchick, whether, you know, you add some speed. Uh, it's it's it just seems like the Rockies right now are, are going in a different direction, right? The Chris Bryant thing, I, I, I had buddies because I, I lived in Denver for a long time. I had buddies texting me saying words in, my, in text that I can't say on live radio. But they were saying exactly what you said. Like, they just can't believe, well, what are the Rockies doing? But maybe it's the fact of, you know, they're they're trying to to add power. Uh, the Chris Bryant thing doesn't make, make a ton of sense to me because I think they've already came out and said he's going to play the outfield. You know, the San Francisco outfield thing and the big outfield were the jumps and the speed, and it just didn't look right. Uh, so I don't really know how that's going to look, but – Maybe that's a team. You know, you look you look through that roster. Maybe there's somebody on there, like a Tapia. Maybe he's a guy outfielder. The Raymel Tapia, left-hand hitting. Yeah. Sure. Like one of those guys who's fast. And he can go get it. He can go get it in center field. Exactly. 
he he can we talk about George Springer. If you get rid of Randall, who's going to play center? Teoscar doesn't like center. You know, he, he doesn't feel comfortable. You want him comfortable <laughs> yeah. offensively and defensively, so he's not going to play center. They don't really have one of those guys. And to add a guy, just I'm throwing that name out there. It's maybe he's a guy, right? Some somebody that can get on base. His what what last year on base percentage was somewhere around three thirty. Hit the bottom of the order, get on for the big boys, play really good defense. Maybe a, a, a piece like that. I think mm-hmm. is what you're talking about. But to start the season, I mean, can you argue with what they've done and what they look like on paper? Right now on paper, you could argue they're the best team in the American League East. Um, so I, I got to ask you this, because Hazel May sent Hazel May sent out a tweet a couple of days ago. Um, and I just kind of, it, you know, I, I, I sort of glossed over it. But, uh, look, we know that there has been some degree of discussion with the Cleveland Guardians about Jose Ramirez. That's been going on for a long time. Now, Sure. We know Kevin from talking to a bunch of people, just a bunch of people. And this is not, you know, this has been out there in the public sphere. But it seems to me that any package the Guardians would want, they want one of Manoa or Pearson. You know, the word is out there that they asked for Manoa. We, you can assume they want one of Manoa or Pearson. Alejandro Kirk's probably another guy. And then after that, you know, you can, you can go wherever you know the guardians whatever i i don't know how the guardians rate the jays the jays minor league system and maybe if you're the jays maybe there's where you try to you give them grichuk and and maybe in return for them picking up that money you get a little you get something more in return or it cuts down on the or you have to give them a better prospect whatever it just depends if the jays want to get rid of randall grichuk or not it, but sure. uh, we know as hazel may tweeted out like there was a scout that was that was following Alejandro Kirk around at the complex, and scouts do have access to it. And um, we're, we're led to believe it was a Guardian scout. I'll just say it out loud. We're led to believe it was a, it, it was a Guardian scout. Um, you put anything on that? Like it makes sense, doesn't it, that Alejandro Kirk would be a guy that teams would want? Because I, look, we talked about Alejandro Kirk. This is about this team winning the World Series this year. It's pretty clear that that Danny Jansen's got the number one job. He certainly had. He's this organization's had his back for a long time, and I think rightly so. It's pretty clear that they're comfortable with what Reese McGuire gives them out of the second spot. So I'm just going to ask you, dude. Do you think we can put two and two together there and at least say that Alejandro Kirk would be part of any package the Guardians would want? I think so. I think just the the having Hazel tweet that out and, and that scout was following him around wherever he was going. You know, he would walk to the restroom. They were taking video of it. You know, okay, type, now stop. Howie they were not dogs, taking lot, video of the restroom. Uh, well, not of the restroom, but okay. the, the the journey to the restroom. Kind, yep. You know, it, it's look. Every organization looks at different players. We talked about this to her blue in the face. You know, it, what what we think of certain players is not all the time what other organizations think of players. I, I think, but from what I've heard, the the Alec Manoa conversation that's not a conversation. That's not happening. Uh, the the Nate Pearson thing. Look, it's if you're the, the Guardians and you're trying to sell this to a fan base, is Jose for Alejandro Kirk good enough to sell it? Nah, I don't think so. But if you add a Nate Pearson who can, you know, reach triple digits, that's a pretty mm-hmm. good starting point, right? It's it's young, it's, not, it's affordable, which is uh, I think what they're sort of going for. And then you add a couple of other pieces, whatever those pieces would be. It just sounds to me like it's not minor leaguers they're looking for. They're looking for big leaguers. 
They're looking for players that can come in and contribute. At least three guys can come in and help them this year. Sure, and that's that's not that's not Moreno, that's not Martinez, that's not no. Otto, Lopez. That's not those guys. Those are, you know, maybe some guys like the Cavan Vigios. You mentioned the Randall Gritchick that you probably have to eat some money. Uh, you know, you you mentioned Kirk, you mentioned Nate Pearson. It, that those are those are some decent names. Again, we have no idea what they think of the Blue Jays players, but. It, look, if, if that's the four guys that it would take, I'm not sure how it wouldn't be tough to just, you know, hire a Uber and run that to the airport as quick as you could. Yeah. At least I uh, look, I, and I think we've been clear and uh, all all along here that that to my way of thinking, the only two the only two prospects, and I don't include Alec Manoa, I don't include as a prospect. Alec Manoa is on my roster. The only two minor yeah. leaguers that I would. I, I'll just flat out say I wouldn't trade Gabriel Marino because knowing what this team is going to be paying uh, a large chunk of their players at some point in the next two years, you are really going to need somebody to come up from your system who's going to be cheap and and, and be a core part of your team. You just are. You're, you're not going to be able to trade and sign your way to five or six years of meaningful baseball. You, you're just not. You're going to need guys from within your organization. That's what this team is built on. It's built on guys like Bo, guys like Vladdy, uh, guys like Lourdes Gurriel Jr., guys like Alec Manoa coming through. It's nice to have all yeah. the, the added parts, but the core of this team is homegrown. And the Jays are going to have to, if you, you view this as an assembly line thing, they really need guys like Aurelvis Martinez and Gabriel Marino to be everyday contributors for this to work out because you don't want to be in a situation where you're paying $15 million to everybody in the field. You just don't. So I would, other, as I've said all along, other than those two guys, you can take your pick. You can take your pick of anybody, and, and I'll just say it. I put Nate Pearson in that group too. I, I really would. As much as I like the, yeah. the, what Nate Pearson, the possibility of Nate Pearson, I'll take the reality of Jose Ramirez over the possibility of Nate Pearson right now. Because Jose Ramirez wins see, me a I, World Series. I'm not certain Nate Pearson wins me a World Series. Yeah, see, I, I was a prospect once. I, I look at prospects a little bit differently than most people. I, I, I think when you're in win mode like the Blue Jays, it's a fine line on how you keep your, your minor league system as, where it's at and, and try and win championships at the big league level. They're trying to win championships at the big league level. If you can get Jose for a Moreno, you do that. Like I, it's, you know, and, and Danny Jansen, the way they, the way they look at Danny Jansen, the way that the pitching staff looks at him, it's, it's a, it's a to each his own kind of thing. Like who, who would tell you that Moreno would come up here and know how to call a game and, and a pitcher would be, you know, it's, it's simple thing as comfortable enough to throw a slider with runner on third and seventh inning with two outs it's it's a big deal and and a lot of those guys are veteran guys that that have been around and and know how to do that and it's a big trust thing and i i i can't sit here and, and say that i've seen moreno enough to to know if that's going to happen and, and when he would even be a big leaguer i i was in the fall league i went through the arizona fall league i had a really good arizona fall league it's until we actually see him in the heat of the moment calling games it's 
you know, and, and where the organization's at and where this coaching staff's at and, and where these the expectations at, are, are at with these players. Uh, Jeff, it's off the charts. I know you've been in every single one of these spring trainings, and I haven't been as, as in as many as you have, but just walking around here, and you can feel it. It's just the way they go about their business is different. It's quiet. It's methodical. It's I know what I'm doing. I don't need a coach to tell me. We know what the goal is here. It's When it's like that, I just think as, as an organization, as, as people that are running this organization, you got to think about it differently. And if you have to give mm. up a Moreno to get whatever you need to get, uh, I'm in that park. I'm giving it up, boy. Mm, man, I don't know. I, I would really have to swallow hard in that. Um, Buck Martinez is our Blue Jays TV analyst on Sportsnet. The Jays will start their Grapefruit League schedule tomorrow in Sarasota against the Baltimore Orioles. Jose Barrios gets the start in that game. Kevin Gossman goes uh, for the Blue Jays on Sunday. We'll talk a bit about the Blue Jays lineup. We'll get Buck Martinez's thoughts on the acquisition of Matt Chapman, where the Blue Jays go next. And as a former manager and as a catcher, and I told you what catchers do in spring training, I want to get Buck's thoughts as well on how he has seen spring training, the early days of spring training at this brand new Blue Jays complex. It's Blair and Barker wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and live on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sport. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, before we uh, rejoin Kevin Barker, uh, who is live in Dunedin uh, on Field One, and Buck Martinez, our Blue Jays TV analyst, who's also uh, in Dunedin. I uh, want to give a, uh, want to say a few words about Jamie Campbell. Um, if you follow Jamie on social media, and I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, if, if you aren't already doing that, but uh, if you follow Jamie on social media, uh, you know that uh, last night, uh, Jamie tweeted out that um, he is being treated for chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Um, I exchanged emails and text emails, actually, with Jamie last night. Um, He seems to be in good spirits. I believe he and his son are going off to see a hockey game, going off to see one of the Battle of Alberta games. Um, but uh, as I told Jamie, and uh, I'm sure I, I, can, I can say this for all of us here at Fan 590 and, and Sportsnet, um, one, uh, if, if you know Jamie, uh, and I think most people who are Blue Jays fans consider Jamie to be part of their, part of their family, um, the information really, really hit home. I I've had a difficult time finding words, uh, things to say about it. But uh, as I told Jamie, look, you know that everybody's in your corner. Um, you know that everybody will do whatever they can. And um, you also know that we believe you got this. And uh, Jamie has said that he is looking forward to being beside Joe Siddle uh, on opening day. And uh, we certainly look forward to seeing him down at the Rogers Center. So on behalf of all of us, and I'm sure I say this for every Blue Jays fan, uh, we're thinking very much of Jamie and his family, and um, you know, go get him, Jamie. As I said, we uh, we have your back, and uh, all of us are here for you at any time. 
Um, you mentioned the Jays will start their Grapefruit League schedule tomorrow in Baltimore, or in Baltimore, in Sarasota against the Baltimore Orioles. Jose Barrios destined to be the starting pitcher for the, for, for the Blue Jays. Kevin Barker, you're at field one. I want to bring Buck Martinez in as well, but you're at field one right now, and you were just, you had kind of one of those, one of those cool moments. Uh, a lot of work goes on in spring training. Uh, a lot of rote sort of repeat stuff goes on at, at spring training. It's not always yeah. the sexiest thing, but right now you're watching, you're watching sort of the foundational work for pitchers right now, aren't you? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, I was, I was just watching the, the Pete Walker give give instructions to Tim Mesa about you know the, the getting the sign from the catcher. You can hear the catcher right now saying it out loud in the background. They're giving signs to the infielder, making sure that the pitcher knows you know if if they want to do a pickoff move and they're relying on, on getting that from the catcher. You know, you drop your glove. It's just an interesting thing to watch how Petey sort of called timeout to Tim Mesa. Tim Mesa's been pretty big games, Jeff, mm-hmm. and just how big of a deal this is this year. You're the little things, you know, the, oh, with yeah. the American League East, and you got four really good, not if great teams. It's it could be that pickoff move, it could be that one communication between catcher and pitcher that that you know keeps you from from in the playoffs and, and going where you ultimately want to go. I just think that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, the guy in particular, I'd be interested in knowing if he's taking notes as Jordan Romano because that is one of the weak parts of Jordan Romano's game. And you know, you're going to close for a team going to the World Series. Uh, you got to do a better job of controlling runners in the base pass. Let's bring in Buck Martinez. He is uh, our Blue Jays TV analyst on uh, Sportsnet. Buck, great to talk to you. Before we talk about the Jays team, I wanted to ask you something about this this complex. And you, you're, you're the perfect guy to talk about this because, one, you've been a manager. You've run spring training. Two... You've been a catcher, and we all know that catchers, I've told people, you you do not understand what work is until you follow a catcher around on the average day in spring training. Kevin was just telling me about how cool it is to kind of see everything so close. Like the minor leaguers can see the major leaguers doing their work. Major leaguers can see the minor leaguers. It seems as if this is a very efficient setup for spring training, Buck. Jeff, it's one of the best I've ever seen. And uh, before I get any further into that, I want to echo your thoughts about Jamie Campbell. Uh, It hit me hard, too. I talked to Joe Siddle this morning about that. And we certainly want to send our best wishes to Jamie. But as far as this complex, uh, it's pretty remarkable. You you just wonder how much of an impact a training facility can have. And, And I've been down there now for about a month watching the minor leaguers before the big leaguers came to camp. And it's amazing how much work they can accomplish because everything is so close. You know, you got an indoor weight room that has garage doors that go up, and they're all of a sudden outside. They've got running tracks. They've got a running hill. They've got an indoor infield. They've got multiple fields. They can do just about anything they want. Now they have a hitting lab that's just dedicated to one batting cage with all of the analytic machines, and uh, it's pretty amazing. Plus, they have more personnel than I've seen at any spring training camp as far as nutritionists and strength coaches and extra hitting coaches and extra infield coaches. And, you know, it sounds like overkill. But when you talk to the players that have come to this organization from other organizations, like a Trevor Richards or like Adam Simber, those guys are raving about this place and the impact that it has on their daily routine. So, you know, it is nothing short of uh, – 
uh, state-of-the-art, and they can accomplish an awful lot in a very short period of time. And I've seen them work out now since the major leaguers have come here. What they have done in this short period of time is pretty remarkable as far as getting up to speed to start the regular season on April 8th. Buck, I wanted to ask you about the ahead, coaching Tim. staff. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to ask you about the coaching staff and, and the pressure they have. You know, it's a shortened spring training, and, and there's a lot of expectations with these guys to, to win a bunch of games right out the gate. How much pressure is there on coaches to to get these players all ready to go? And, and you know, even Pete Walker, I was just out here. To, to see Petey give a little bit more information, I think, than he normally would this time in spring training, uh, is, is, there, is there that much more pressure? on these guys to, you know, keep them healthy, give them as much information, but don't try to overwhelm them? Um, Kevin, I think, uh, you know, it's all on the players, and the players have come into camp uh, more advanced in their training than any time I've seen the most recent years. And, you know, you always hear players say, this is the best shape of my life. Well, I I believe it with most of them. And I think that makes the coaching staff, uh, makes their job a little easier because, like you said, Barrios is going to start tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes two or three innings. I've watched him throw two side sessions down here, and he's ready to go. And last season, he had one of his best starts of the year in his first start of the season against Milwaukee. He had 12 strikeouts in his first outing. So he's a guy that's always ready to go. And you know what? Uh, They say you can't lose a World Series in April, but you can certainly win one. And we saw that firsthand in 84 with the Tigers. So I think this entire coaching staff, the entire organization is focused on getting off to a good start. Because in years past, we have seen – Across the board in the major leagues, April is almost like spring training because nobody really pushes themselves. The Blue Jays are pushing themselves right now, and I think they're focused on getting off to a great start. Buck, what did you make of the Matt Chapman acquisition? That's one of the best acquisitions that I've ever seen the Blue Jays make. You know, you remember back in 15 and 16 when uh, we heard the Blue Jays have got Troy Tulowitzki, and, oh, by the way, they picked up a guy named David Price. To me, it has the same kind of impact because that was the one void that they had looking at third base. And now we've talked about this in the past. The Blue Jays had a lot of chances down at third base. Most balls hit in third base direction in the majors. So now you've got a guy that's maybe the best third baseman in all of baseball there. He's got tremendous range. He plays very deep. He's got a strong and accurate arm. And and Blue Jay fans remember what a great impact Scott Rowland was when he was a third and how well he threw the ball. This is the same type of player and maybe better range than Scott Rowland. So that speaks volumes about it. And they haven't had a third baseman since Josh Donaldson last played in 2018 in May. And everybody you know, had a bunch of different guys go through the position. And unfortunately, they had to ask Kevin Biggio to play there last year. And I think that threw him out of whack at the plate. I think he was just trying to do things that he wasn't capable of doing. Third base is a tough position. And we've got one of the guys that's most comfortable in playing a third in Matt Chapman. Buck, I, I was talking to a couple of coaches about you say Kikuchi was throwing his bullpen the other day, and I, I know you, you, I'm sure you were around and heard about that, where he was touching 100 miles an hour and they were talking about how easy it was. But I want to get a, a catcher's perspective when it comes to a guy like that coming from a different organization that sort of needs to hit the ground running and making some adjustments. You know, maybe simplify it. Don't don't use all four of your pitches. Use a couple of them and try and dominate that way. Is that a tough thing for a catcher to to get in tune with a guy like that? 
Um, it is a challenge, obviously, learning new pitchers in the spring. But uh, Danny Jansen, Reese McGuire, Alejandro Kirk, and the, the younger catchers have all been here from day one. And then they make sure that they catch those new guys. Jansen caught Gosman the other day. McGuire caught Kikuchi. And I watched all their side sessions. And, and like I said, they're both very advanced. And, you know, Kikuchi had a great first half. And, um I've said this many times, and I believe it's true, that Pete Walker is one of the best pitching coaches at finishing off a major league pitcher. And we saw it last year with Barrios. He made adjustments with him. We saw it with Manoa. He made adjustments with him. And he's already got a game plan for Kikuchi. He knew that they were on Kikuchi, so he started looking at his season last year, watching video. He's got some ideas on what he can do to get him consistent, and I think um, he's going to be a great addition to this. And what I love about this rotation, and I believe it's the best rotation in the American League, is that there are so many different looks in the five-man rotation the way it's situated right now. And, you know, with Barrios and, and his great breaking ball and his command of both sides of the plate, you got Alec Manoa who can move the ball all over the place and make pitches to both sides of the plate. Gosman pitches up with his fastball and down with his splitter. And then you've got Kikuchi and his great breaking ball and then and, and Ryu. And you know Ryu has been the number one pitcher for the last couple of years, and he's motivated to recapture the form he's had two years ago. So I think uh, the Blue Jays are in great shape as far as their rotation goes. Buck, what uh, what does this team still need? I mean, you're right. The void was at third base. That that has been filled. Uh, what does this team still need? I, I know they want balance in the lineup, and that to most people means a left-handed hitter or a switch hitter. And of course, you know Jose Ramirez is that the the dream, I guess. But what would you like to see this team do, and what do you think they can do realistically to round things out? I think they can get a veteran closer. I think they can go out and get one more arm, one more swing and a miss arm, and then just, you know, drop everybody down a notch. And I think that would make them a very legitimate World Series contender. I'm not so sure that they need a left-handed bat. It would be nice to have a bat like a Kyle Schwarber, but he's gone and he's off the market now. But I don't want to put a left-handed bat in there just because he's left-handed. You can talk to every pitcher that has faced this Blue Jays team in the past, and it is not a fun lineup to face. They have many different styles of hitters in the lineup. They have many different guys that can hit home runs up and down the order. And when you think about it, Matt Chapman, who hit 36 home runs a couple of years ago, might hit sixth or seventh in this lineup. And all that's going to do is make pitchers forget about him when you get down to the bottom of the lineup and they think, okay, now I'm past the big boys and you got another big boy hitting sixth or seventh. So I think it's a very good lineup. I'm not concerned about the lefty-righty matchup. The Blue Jays hit right-handers as good as anybody. So I'm not concerned about that. And if you talk to a pitcher, what would you rather face, a very mediocre left-handed bat or Teoscar Hernandez, Vladdy Guerrero, Bo Bichette, George Springer, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. To me, that's a tough lineup for anybody. Buck, Buck last one for me. Uh, i got to ask you about you, you You were a manager once. Uh, you know, uh, how, if you were managing this, te- this team, would you have conversations about expectations? Going into this season, you know, they got to seriously hit the ground running, especially the, the, the division they're in. How, how did they handle the expectation? What, what would be your advice if you're the manager of this team? I think Charlie has done just that. I think he just kind of stays out of their way. Everybody knows what this team is capable of doing. Everybody is motivated. This morning, I watched Bo Bichette and Santiago Espinal 
take ground balls before the sun was up. They were out there taking ground balls in the covered infield with Louis Rivera, and literally the sun hadn't come up yet. It was still dark outside. The infield grass was still wet, but they're getting their work in. This is how motivated they are. They know what they're capable of doing, and they know what's expected of them. I don't think Charlie has to say a word to them. I think he's going to say, okay, boys, we got a good team. Let's go out there. Don't take anybody for granted, and we have to beat every team we play. And when you get off to a great start, that certainly sets you up well for a long season. Buck, we are uh, going to let you run. We really do appreciate your insight, as always. Great to hear your voice again, and uh, we'll be chatting soon. Be well, my friend. Thank you very much. We look forward to it, and we're going to have a TV game on Sunday, and everybody's pumped up about that. Absolutely. Take care. Nice. That is Buck Martinez, the uh, TV analyst for the Blue Jays. So there you go, a little bit of a scoop TV Sunday. And you'll get to see your first look at Kevin awesome. Gossman against the uh, Phillies, I believe. I'm not mistaken. Well, that's yeah. gonna. I mean, you're gonna get a lot of Phillies this year because they're using the pod system because of short spring training. Hey, Kev, uh, we sent you out in an assignment yesterday. We got another assignment for you today, um, and uh, it, it's uh, courtesy of Mark with a K, uh, who reached out on uh, who, who direct messaged me. Um, this is something that actually has been inter- has interested me. He, he wants you to find out, or somebody to find out, now that we know there's going to be a World Baseball Classic, if Vladdy is going to be playing for Canada or the Dominican Republic. I don't know how you're going to go about doing that. And Vladdy may not even know, but I know the folks in the Dominican uh-huh. Republic certainly think that he's playing for the Dominican Republic. Now, he is, he is uh, capable of playing for Canada because he was born in Canada, in Montreal. So there's your assignment. There's your assignment. Uh, I know you're you're taking down you guys, the note. You guys aren't asking for much. No, you're not asking for much. That's a, well, you're there. Jeez. You're there. People want to know. Uh, what'd you do? Now I sent you, you out to yesterday. Driver's license number two. Jeez. I sent you out yesterday, looking for Gabriel Moreno, and uh, a, yeah. a a listener wanted to know how many gloves he had. Like, has he got a first baseman's mitt? Is he carrying his third baseman glove around, or is he just working behind the plate? What What have you been able to find out? Because we know he takes grounders at third. We know he's played third. Yeah, yeah, he he is not in camp. He is uh, still taking care of his visa, trying to get that all taken care of. So he is not here yet. I, I did find that out. And uh, the glove situation, I, I do know uh, from a source that I have. It's a really good source. I, I have not walked up to Gear, uh, to uh, to Moreno and asked him, but I, I did ask someone what <laughs> what kind of gloves, and, and he gave me the weirdest look I've I've ever gotten from a from a source but 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 he was telling me that that he uses a a flat iron glove you know the one yep. that you is supposed to be for for soft hands you, you always see the guys on their knees and they use that glove that looks like a, a skillet that just mm-hmm. so they they basically are just knocking the ball down and they use their soft hands and that kind of thing he does have a smaller third baseman's glove and he has two catcher's mitts there you, go. you know, I, I mean, I, I guess I could I could go a little further and ask what you know what what kind of cereal he likes or no. I think know, the question was how much work is he actually going to get skim at the milk or no no. I think the question you know the the idea was how much uh, how much work is he actually going to get at third base. I'm going to give you C plus for that answer. That's okay though. C this, plus is fine. This year, this year, yeah. Is he going to get any work at third base oh, in, uh, in in spring tra- in spring training? Oh, he's got to get here first. 
that would that would be the first thing. That would be very good. Uh, and you know they they got a they got a pretty good they got a pretty good third baseman here that needs to get acclimated to the Blue Jays yeah. and. and and needs to figure some things out. So I would think in spring training, not in big league camp, but maybe when he gets here and he, if he gets sent down and needs some work, you know, I I, I see him as a catcher. Let, let's not let's not reinvent the wheel here. You know, everybody can't play three or four different positions. How about be really good at one and get the foot down and get it singing? How about that? I mean, I, I right. look, I'm not the smartest guy in school, but two plus two is what, Jeff? Uh, one, two, three, four. Um, hey, uh, I also got, uh, you know, if you can't find the Vladdy thing, because that may be a little difficult. Uh, another listener had a question. Uh, he's interested in the impact Matt Chapman. And this is, uh, this is it. Michael from, uh, where are you from, Michael? Where are you from, Michael? It's Michael from Saskatoon DM'd, DM'd me. And uh, shout out to Saskatoon, by the way. Uh, he, he wonders with Matt Chapman. Nice. How the batting order might look. So why don't we do that for an assignment tomorrow? If you can't get Vladdy's, uh, if you can't figure out, because Vladdy can be hard to yeah, track yeah. down, if you can't figure out who's going to play for, let's talk about the, the lineup tomorrow and what it might look like bat- with Matt Chapman. Why don't we do that? The batting order's easy. I already have the batting order, so I already have that taken care of. The, the Vladdy go. thing, I will do some digging and try and find the answer to that question. All righty. Bark, you are the best. Enjoy the rest of the morning and the afternoon in Florida. And uh, we shall do this again tomorrow, my friend. Thanks for having me. As always. Uh, It's been Blair. It's been Barker on Sportsnet 590. The Fan 10 to 11 tomorrow. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. Follow me on social media, SN Jeff Blair. Have a great day.